Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Tonight, we're going to cover our season reviews. Me, your host, Les Lawson, are joined as normal by Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. We're also joined by two people who've already contributed this season, in um, John Green and Mike Wilson. And tonight, we have a very special guest to present this show, a man without who Istanbul would never have happened. A big welcome to Neil Meller. So over to you, Mel's. What an intro that was, Les. Thanks very much. Yeah, um, happy to be making my debut on the LFC Red Poets podcast. Um, we're going to look back on last season. Obviously, we were we were fifth, weren't we, in the Premier League? Twenty-two points in the in the NBA and the champions, Man City. We were knocked out of the League Cup fourth round by City three-two away. Knocked out of the FA Cup the fourth round as well away. At Brighton, knocked out the Champions League in round of 16. So we're going to reflect on everything that happened last season. We're going to break it into four parts. So we'll do the start, sort of the pre-season, the transfers, the first six games or so. Then that period before the World Cup, we won't mention the World Cup. We don't need to mention the World Cup, white after whatever. And then we'll talk about after the World Cup, before finishing in with the running. Okay, but I want one word, one phrase from each of you to start with, and we'll see if Anything changes in the podcast when I ask for the same again. So to sum up last season, before we get started, I'll start with you, Les. What's your word or phrase? How would you sum it up? Inconsistent. Tom? Disappointing. Pete? Uh, Underwhelming. Mike? Meh. (laughs) And John? Frustrating. There we go. Okay, well... Let's see if that changes as the podcast goes on. Well, let's start with the pre-season, what the mood was like. Obviously, there was a big change in terms of personnel in the in the squad. The fact that Marnie had left, Origi had left, Minamino had gone, and the big arrival of, of Darwin Nunez. So how were we all feeling before any football had been played? Um I, I think I think there was there was a bit, I think the season come round a bit too quick for everybody, to be honest. I thought that the sort of end of last season was sort of stressful for us all. Every game was becoming a must-win game. And then we ended up with the double disappointments of, you know, losing the the Champions League final, you know, after you know nearly winning the league, but never being in a position to win the league because we weren't winning when City were, were behind. And I think that affected supporters and the players and I think that from the start of pre-season you know I think they got the pre-season all wrong um, with going on that commercial thing before they go into the training camp we lost Ox and Jota during the pre-season and it just went you know from bad to worse I was optimistic I was excited by the signing of you know Darwin Nunes I was also intrigued by how Cavallio and Ramsey would fit in but ultimately you know, not signing and not upgrading the midfield was a massive error. Tom, for you? Yeah, very similar. I thought something what Les said then about the season. We played our Champions League final on the 20th, 28th of, of May and we played Manchester United in, in a friendly 15 days later, which is like, it, it's unheard of. As Les said, playing all them games, like most win games every game and then the disappointments of... At, I was trying to work it out today, thinking about we've been in a position where we've lost the two biggest trophies 
in the space of a you know couple of days, and the disappointment that that must have carried out because it did to the supporters. So everybody was a bit flat. So I, I think, do you know, I think when you looked at the signings coming in, I think most people were expecting a midfield player to come in and we didn't really get the midfield player. And I think that sort of set the tone for the start of the season. And I think it sort of carried on from there, Neil. Pete, for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, my biggest upset, if you want, pre-season was the loss of Marnie. Um I didn't really know a great deal about Nunes. I'd seen him obviously play for Benfica against us. And I didn't know if he was going to be like, you know, a shoe-in sort of thing. But I think Mane was a big miss. But it was, I, th- I do think the season previous, I think it just took it took so much out of the players. And like the other lads have said, and probably we'll be saying through the, the, the evening, midfield needed to be addressed and it wasn't. Um, and... I don't know, it just... I mean, I'm always optimistic. I'm optimistic now about the new season coming up. I can't wait. But, you know, we, we, we go on these pre-seasons. I think we were in Singapore and, and, and then we went over, you know, we went over to um, where else, Dubai in the Super Cup and that. So I just think after the season we'd had... And, and they were physically and mentally tired, the players. As, as Tom said, the fans were as well. We were absolutely shattered going the games. But... Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a, not a letdown, but it, it, I, I don't think, I don't think at the start of the season, after the pre-season games, I don't think everyone was up for it as the as they normally are, you know, I think, I think we were still having the hangover from the previous season, to be honest, Neil. Mike, despite, obviously, the, the lack of preparation time for the season, we'd lost Marnie, Nunes comes in, we still beat City in the Community Shield 3-1. So, so as much as sort of you thinking, it's not being ideal. Surely the mood was we can challenge them again after that result. I think if you look at what we'd achieved the previous season, you'd have to be positive about going into the season. But I think the fact that we uh, we beat Man City in the Community Shield was just another example of how we were great some weeks and rubbish others. I, I think one thing that nobody's ever talked about is the fact that I think Whilst Paris took a lot out of the fans, I think it took a lot out of the players as well because there was loads of fans ended up being in the ground for the game, but they weren't supporting. They were recovering, weren't they? And so there was no atmosphere. And you get all the way to a final and you 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 know playing in front of your fans and, and it's probably an atmosphere that they will never experience again. That That must have just been really strange and that just, it would have stuck with them for a long time. I'm not a great worrier about pre-season in terms of, I, I look at it, I, I watch all the games just in the hope of some youngster, Bacetic or Bobby Clark. I still remember Bobby Clark's fantastic through ball for Darwin Nunes against Man United in that, friend, uh, was it Man United or Milan in that friendly? Um, and I, I just live off stuff like that. It's just about getting fit, isn't it? I mean, the one the one pre-season game that, that, annoyed me was the one the day was it the day after the charity shield where they played Strasbourg and mm-hmm. had a big event at Anfield and we lost 3-0 because we put all our reserves out. I don't see the point in that. And I think that after the after the big big up of winning the charity we were brilliant that day. We won the charity shield and then we put a, a, a team out whether it was the next day against uh, a team at Anfield with a full ground 
and we lose three 0 I, I I think that was just a massive mistake, and and it and it just took us right out of the winning mentality again. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned the Champions League. We we battered Real Madrid though, haven't we? You know, the goalkeepers had the game of his life. Yeah, agreed. The boys didn't turn up and play. It was one of those where you're thinking, how have we lost out? Let me finish with John though. As we talk about pre-season, um, did you think we were ready for the for the season to start? Under Chelsea Shield, I thought yes. But like I said, I, th- I thought there was a total burnout. We played every single game that was possible last season, or the, as it is the season before that now, isn't it? but we played every single game and we didn't have the best of luck at the end of that season. Apart from course, well, we'd have had number seven on the sideboard now. And I think that might have revitalised the team. But they must have been absolutely gutted because I know as supporters, we were gutted. And not only after what we went through that night in, in Paris as well, outside the ground. And I think it was quite right what Mike said about there was no support inside that ground because everyone was just, I'm inside now, I just want to watch the game. And there was no energy, no energy at all from the crowd. And just a little bit more energy. You never know what might have happened. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, the fans have made such a difference in... So many games. Well, let's have a little look at the first six games of the season then. If you don't remember, I'll remind you. Fulham 2, Liverpool 2. Liverpool 1, Palace 1. Forward result that. United 2, Liverpool 1. I was there. That was horrible. Liverpool 9, Bournemouth 0. Liverpool 2, Newcastle 1. The Carvalho late 98th minute goal. If Newcastle won a time waste, that's what's going to happen. And the sixth game in those opening six... Everton nil, Liverpool nil. So out of the six games, we've won two, we've drawn three, and we've only lost one of those. Les, for you, how would you sum up that style? It wasn't ideal, was it? It wasn't. I think I think things started to go wrong, um, sort of on the day uh, for me of the of the Strasbourg game because you know Mike was right what he said before with you know the team that was put out, but I don't think that was the intention when the game was sort of scheduled. I think it was it was a game where he thought he'd have more players from the first team squad fit and he'd be able to use them to get them ready for the first you know part of the season and it just worked exactly the opposite. You know, after that game against um, Man City the day before, we lost Cater and Curtis Jones. Then you know against Fulham, we then lose uh, Thiago off injured. So you know that adds to that that we've already without Jot and Oxley Chamberlain. And things are starting to go downhill. And the performance was just was just very lacked energy. Fulham, Fulham bullied us out the game at times. Um, you know, they got Virgil give away a penalty, which, you know, when Virgil sort of starts to make mistakes like that, you do think, hey, oh, is this going to be one of those games, one of those starts of the season? Matip had a poor game that day. The midfield got completely bullied. And then, we, we somehow got back into the game, then then given an absolutely terrible goal away from a penalty. Um, and, and as I say, Fulham thoroughly deserved you know, to get something out of the game, but you just wonder, you know, and I know it was only the first game of the season, but you just wonder what would have happened had Jordan Henderson's shot gone in in the last minute instead of hitting the bar. Would that have given them, you know, wow, you know, we, we got out of jail there, but... We, we showed that winning mentality again. And then immediately then the pressure was on to go into the Crystal Palace game. 
Yeah. Tom, for you, was it yeah. disappointing? Was it to start at Anfield with a draw against Palace? Yeah, it was. It was a poor. It was a poor game overall, that deal, wasn't it? Really, I think again, Darwin Nunes didn't didn't help his cause really, like with his his moments of madness. But like, I think it it, it you, that sort of set the tempo, didn't it? We we were we were as the lads as Les said before, we were flat. That would have been a good word, you know. We and I I, I think that's. That sort of set the tempo more, more, more less for the six games. We were, we didn't start. We didn't start particularly well against against Palace. We didn't start particularly well against Manchester United State after it was, and then you know like in the the topsy turvy season that we'd had, we we go and blow in a game where you're expecting you don't know what you're going to get. We blow Bournemouth, Bournemouth away nine nil. You know, just it's just. Overall, I think it. I think the first, first six games more or less summed up more or less the whole season. Really, it was a mirror image of the season. Pete, after those six games, we were five points behind City, six behind Arsenal. Playing catch up against a side like City was always going to be difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were played, to be honest, we were playing catch up after the first two games. I mean, both the Fulham and the Palace game, we had to come from behind to get a point. I know. Les mentioned about Jordan hitting the bar at Fulham and it would have been a, you know, it would have been got, got us out of jail because we didn't really deserve anything, a victory. And then even the other draw at Goodison, we, we, I don't say we got away because it was the correct decision, but the Cody, Cody could well have scored the winner for Everton that day. It was so borderline, you know. So there's the old, there's the old saying, isn't there? There's draws. It's the draws that kill you in this game, and it was certainly coming home to roost then in those first few games. Um, United, we just didn't start the game like Tom said, and then we got a goal. I think Salah scored with about eight eight minutes to go, and there was a bit of hope we might get a point from that. But it seemed to be just like our season. We were always chasing after. We we weren't going ahead and and losing. You know, losing. Um, being in front, we were actually chasing all the time. And it was just like a synopsis of our season, those first few games. You know, you've got the highs of Bournemouth and then even more high against Newcastle because the way they were play-acting and, and rolling around and wasting time, it was just like, oh, you know, we got, they got the just desserts for messing about. But yeah, it was, apart from the Bournemouth and the Newcastle games, it was a disappointing start. It was a very, very slow start and we were always playing catch-up. Mike, for you, after that draw against Everton, were you thinking, God, this is going to be a difficult season? No longer a title challenge. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a top four challenge. I, 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 don't, I don't think like that early on. It, it's, it's, there's, no, there's no point. Anything can happen with this team, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good start. You, you look at it and, it, and it and it was just so... I think, I think you, the word's been used a, a lot, flat. There was, there was good spells. Like getting nine against Bournemouth, we did that. All season, didn't we? We got two sevens, a six, and a nine in amongst spells where we just couldn't string a pass together. And suddenly, we did. If we shared those goals out in, in other games, we'd have done all right, wouldn't we? But we, the, the games where we just went mad. But I, I've said this before a lot of people blame the defense, a lot of people blame the midfield. I, I think there are times when our forwards were just not not taking chances or not even not even looking for chances. And I think sometimes when you're playing really well, your forwards kill the games off and uh, it takes the pressure off the defence. And, and when, you, when you keep 
wasting opportunities. I'm not going to say chances because quite often we can create chances. But when you waste waste attacking opportunities, it just puts more pressure on the defence and it just became a game where we were panicking most of the time. I think Pete was right. We It became a commentator's joke, didn't it, that we had to go behind before we could even uh, get into any sort of a gear. John, for you, what was the biggest frustration in those first six games? Straight from the start, Neil. Um, you know, it, you could see there was some writing on the wall at that Fulham game. The the midfield teams went right through us and that seemed to set the standard for the season. And whether it was Burnhouse, whether it was poor form, I don't know. And that continued. The one remarkable result was the Bournemouth game. Even the Newcastle game, we, we didn't really put them to the sword. We had a few chances, I know, but we didn't put a team to the sword other than that Bournemouth game in those first six games. The Everton game, that was frustrating because we were a better football team. than. And again, I think Les used the phrase before, we let the teams bully us. And that's, well, that's got to be what's got to be remedied in time for this season coming. After those six games, the Champions League started. Match day one, up there, one of the worst performances of the season, Les. 4-1 yeah. away at Napoli. That, was that a case of maybe a realisation to say, maybe this isn't the same Liverpool we've seen in recent seasons? Yeah, I just think it had come to the point by then where we had so many injuries. The players were starting to feel sorry for themselves. They started to lack confidence in each other. Um, different departments of the team were sort of didn't have confidence in another department and it just created the perfect storm. Let's not forget against against Napoli. It could have been even worse. You know, that game they had, if I remember rightly, they had a, a gold chalked off. And and as I say, we were but for Allison, it could have been a lot, lot worse than it was. I mean, the fact that I mean the Napoli game will be remembered for the fact that it was the only 14 minutes that Arthur Mello ever played for Liverpool. <laughs> and, and I think that I think that just summed up, you know, the lack of the lack of planning, if you like, Richard, you know, and, and sort of a little bit too much faith that was played in the in the current midfield. And while I could see it, you know, on one hand, I think that you know they could sit down and think, well, you know, something that midfield sort of nearly won as everything. Yeah. You have to take into account that you know, they were all they were all a year older. You know, as as Tom said before, you know, we, we played every game possible, you know, last season, every game that we possibly could. Two of the finals we'd gone to, you know, had gone to extra time. We'd had, you know, Salah and, Salah and Mane had been at the AFCON, which they played more games there. We'd had, you know, a little bit of luck with, with certain players being available more than, the, than we were used to them having, the likes of Naby and Thiago. And we were able to to play a fairly consistent team. Louis Diaz come in and sort of made an instant impact. And it, as I say, everything just sort of seemed to disintegrate at the start of the season. Nunes had just come back, started against Everton, then didn't start against Napoli. And yet it was a realisation that, wow, have we got some work to do here to be able to get back to anywhere near where we were the previous season. And with the midfield players that you were looking at, that we had available, you just couldn't see it happening. Tom, for you at that time, were you starting to think I might not even get out of the group after that sort of defeat? Yeah, I did. But you know what? what, what I, I'm trying to be. I try to be positive about certain things. You know, Neil. 
we were struggling. Les, Les said there we were struggling with a lot of things at that time when we played Napoli. Little did we know that Napoli would turn out to be probably one of the teams of the season. And both, both, both for falling apart. They won the Italian league by a, by a country mile, didn't they? So they mm. turned out to be a better team, and they caught us at the perfect time. They really did. We were. We were we were feeling sorry for ourselves at the start, and we did. I think to be to be brutally honest, what Les said there, there was only two players that played that night. It was Louis Diaz and, and Alison Becker. But all, all the rest, you couldn't. There, there was no performance from from hardly anybody. We played like a, a bunch of strangers. So yeah, I was really worried. But then they, they go and do well in the rest of the Champions League group, don't you know? So it. it we keep, you know, the word when someone used the word before inconsistent. I think that is is it was been the byword of everything, hasn't it? And for the whole season, you've been there's been moments where it's been really good and and really, you know, like some beautiful football. And then there's times when when we we look like we can't put two passes together. You know, it's it's been the been the strangest season, Neil. Been watching them since nineteen since nineteen sixty five when the first game, but properly since about nineteen sixty eight seventy. And I can't remember where I've ever seen a season which has been so strange. You know what I mean? Where you've had super highs and appalling lows. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Well, well, Pete, I'll ask you because after that Napoli defeat. The Queen passed away, so there was no Premier League football that week. And our next game was in the Champions League against Ajax. And all of a sudden, that became a really big game because everyone fancied beating Rangers, but Ajax, we knew, would be a side capable of maybe pushing ourselves and Napoli for those top two spots. So it was an important win, wasn't it, at Anfield to to, to get us, us off to a win in the Champions League? I mean, when we, when we looked at the group, when the group was drawn, we, we knew what we'd get with Napoli because the... I know, I know we, we beat them on the way to, to winning the European Cup, but um, you just knew what you were going to get with Napoli. And it's always a tough place to go, but I didn't think we put four past us, I really didn't. And it could have been worse, like Les said. I mean, Alison Becker saved the penalty, I think, at 1-0. And I thought, you yeah, can turn this round, but it wasn't to be. So, yeah, I, I think we've beaten them previously, hadn't we, a couple of years or so before. And they're certainly not the Ajax that I remember as a kid. The Johan Cruyff Ajax and that, but yeah, we, we, we were quite confident we could do ranges over two games. But it, it was a must-win really Ajax at, at Anfield because you didn't want to go, you didn't want to have two defeats or or one or one draw and one defeat. You want you needed to get some points on the board. So yeah, so we got through that, uh, and then before the Rangers game at Anfield, um, we had the another sort of mini debacle with. Brighton and Ove Albion, we, we let race into a two-goal lead, got back to 3-2 somehow or other, and then we were lucky to get a draw at the end because Trossard, I think Trossard got the hat-trick, but I think he may have had one short off as well. Um, so we were still showing this inconsistency. And, you know, we were... We were I hadn't given the league up by this time, um, or I say the top four anyway, Um but we were talking at the match saying it might be our best avenue to win something this season would be the you know the the Champions League if we can get out of the group uh, unscathed and, and get on to you know the knockouts we might be okay but yeah but yeah we had to beat Ajax and then as I say we had ranges after that a, a week or so uh, two weeks later but um it it was still a little bit 
it was still a little bit stop-start football. We weren't flowing. We weren't you, you know, we weren't playing with any sort of real belief. I think, to be honest, Mike. In between those Champions League games, we did respond to that Napoli defeat. Uh, we'd beaten Rangers away, um, Rangers at home, Ajax at home. When we went to the Emirates, and obviously we've had an apology since because of some shocking decisions by the officials. Was that the first time maybe this season where you're thinking, maybe it's not just us and City, maybe we are in a position where we're Arsenal and they've been nowhere near us for a number of years, are actually looking better than us this season when they turned us over 3-2? I didn't think they were better than us on that day. Um, I think they got the look, and I think you're right about certainly the penalty decision. We all talk about the the handball, but in truth, I think it went off his belly, didn't it, and onto his arm. So we we're probably never going to get that, that that handball. But it was definitely not a penalty. And then there's the 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 first goal that the cameras couldn't tell whether he was offside or not. But I, I think the thing about that game is we lost uh, we lost Diaz, didn't we, that day? And then a few weeks later, in, the, in about the 99th minute of uh, the game against City, we lost Jota. And I, and I and I do believe. You know, injuries had a massive impact on our season. I don't think I think it's I think it contributes to the reason why we were never anywhere near the top, but we would never have been challenged at the top anyway. But I think if we hadn't had the level of injuries we had, we I, I, I don't think United and Newcastle were that that much better than us. Uh, and I think without I think I think the crucial loss of those two meant that we lost the left side of our attack and. And it was so deflated because Diaz was in such great form. When he played Arsenal, he was playing well. He got injured. Jota came in and it didn't look like we missed Diaz. And then he got injured. And and that, even despite the fact that we won, and I think he was trying to take Jota off against City, wasn't he? And and uh, yeah, and, and he didn't in time. And then we lost him. And and I think it that as much as anything killed our season early on John and the rest of the boys get involved after this after after that defeat to Arsenal we beat Rangers away 7-1 we then beat City 1-0 when Salah gets the winner we then beat West Ham at home 1-0 but did what sum up our season was after those two games going to Forest and getting turned over 1-0 so so disappointing because I was listening to that Forest game in particular and it sounded like we missed easy chances and with the one odd chance that Forrest managed to get, that Okanili put the ball away. And we, we don't seem to have had the fight at that time of the season to get back into a game. And there was just a general malaise. And it was, I, I think even at that time of the year, I thought, God, I can't wait for the season to end. Because we, we just didn't look like Liverpool of old. And... It's difficult. I think there's so many different things that contributed, not just one thing. And I think it was like the, the perfect storm for everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. OK, well, well, lads, we reached the World Cup, whether you liked it or not, we don't need to talk about that. But the position we found ourselves in, we were six in the, in the Premier League table. We were 15 points behind Arsenal, 15 points behind Arsenal. When's that in recent times? 10 points behind City, seven points off the top four. So when we've got into the World Cup, wasn't particularly looking forward to it, hoping that our players would get knocked out early doors. Les, how were you feeling at that stage of the season? I was glad that the World Cup had come because I thought it would give some of our players time to recover. 
the one we didn't have a, and a lot of players going to the World Cup, so I thought the ones who weren't going would have a chance to recharge the batteries. But then, you know, just as we're starting to build up to the season again, and you're thinking, right, as soon as we come back, you know, we're going to get Louis Diaz back. He then goes and does his knee again. And, you know, at that point, you know, there's still no sign of Jota coming back. And you just think, wow, you know, when's this when's this nightmare with injuries going to end? Then, you know, we play one game, I think, and then Bobby goes down with an injury, which means we have to go in and, and sign Gakpo, uh, which in the end proved to be, you know, a decent signing, but he came into a side that was really struggling. Um, and as I say, at the point, at the point where where we went and that the season stopped for the World Cup, I looked at the situation and I, st- I still thought that perhaps we could still catch Arsenal at that point with, with a fair wind and getting our players back. I thought if we could be within nine points of Arsenal when they come to Anfield and we could beat them, we could really put them under pressure. And I looked at some of the games they had after the World Cup and I thought, you know, something that's, that's possible. But then we come back and we were just... We were just nowhere near when they're ready. We got a good win at Aston Villa away. Um, and the, the big plus point, you know, coming through at that point was Stefan Pesetic. He was a he was a, a star, uh, you know, and he was putting some of the, the more experienced players to shame with his with his enthusiasm, with his belief, you know, with his confidence really. And you know, he really is a player who I think will go a long way for Liverpool. And, but he was the shining light in that period after after the World Cup. But yet the inconsistency was just there again for everybody to see. Tom, 24 Premier League games left when it was the World Cup. You still think we could get top four, seven points off it? And I, I thought we were... I, I, you know, I felt right up until more or less the, the end. We, we, you'd have a chance if we could put a run together, but... Realistically, you were starting to think at that stage. Then we started. We went on a the World Cup ended, and we started. We come back, and we 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 played well against Manchester City to get knocked out really well. In in, in and you're thinking to yourself, well, now do you look? You know, we look as well, we we had a bit of we didn't have the rub of the green that day, like which which we hadn't had for most of the season, to be honest. But you felt well. Surely we'll put a run together, and then. It was straight after that where where the wheels really did come off, didn't they? We were were getting beat by the likes of Brentford. We were getting battered by the likes of Brighton. We got beat by Wolves. You know, like every every game. And he highlighted what what the lads were saying before about you've got young Bacetic, who's the standout midfield player, and the senior midfield players look like they couldn't get into the game at all, you know, like, and teams were just running through the middle of us, you know, there was, I don't know whether it was, I don't know what, we, we, we've discussed this on numerous occasions over many podcasts about what we think, you know, about what we've missed in the midfield, and but it, whatever it was, teams just found it, us a soft touch, didn't they? And I don't think anybody was afraid to play Liverpool at that stage, which it then started to to become evidence that we were falling away. Pete, we, we went into the World Cup on, on a good run in the league, but we come out of the World Cup, 
beaten by City in the League Cup, a couple of decent wins in the league. Well, I'd say decent wins, but it was like decent win at Villa, hanging on against Leicester at home. And then we did have a bit of a dip and mm. it wasn't a great time, was it, on the back of yeah. the World Cup? I mean, to be honest, there was a couple of results just prior to the World Cup. And although I'm ever the optimist, we lost to Forest and Leeds in, in a week, in seven days. Leeds at home is just... And I just remember coming outside the ground and I met my son outside and I said, we're going to struggle to get top four. And I'm not normally like that. I can normally see, you know, I can see sort of light at the end of the tunnel and think, yeah, we're going to have a run here. Um, but after that Leeds game, and it was the manner in which we lost, like, last minute, and it was a bit powder puff as well. You know, we didn't really... You'd expect to, to take Leeds to the cleaners, in fairness, which we did later on in the season, albeit a bit too late. But yeah, so, like Les, I, I was looking forward to the, the World Cup, not to watch, but just to have the break and try and get some personnel back and, and then, you know, split the season in half and say, right, second half of the season, we're going to give it a real good go. And then, you know, we come back and you mentioned the two wins against Billum and Leicester, but then Brentford away, you know, was brighton and brighton away as well they were just i don't know I, I i just couldn't put my finger on it on what was wrong you know we like tom says we've been discussing this all season and we seem to be keeping most of the blame if that's the right word on the midfield but i always remember shankly saying you defend as a team and attack as a team and he stars at all that you know and you can't just put the blame on one on one sort of part of the, the team you know you've got to you've got to pull together but like he said, we were going to Brighton. I mean, Brighton had a good season, but we were just getting totally outclassed by them. We were just getting outpassed, outfought, outthought, and outgunned in all departments. And it was it was pissable to watch at times. You were watching through watching, you know, through your fingers, sort of thing. You you didn't know what the next calamity was going to be. Mike, how difficult was that watching? It, it, it was. It wasn't nice. He he kind of held out for any crumb of comfort. It, it, it rarely came at that point in time. Um, the, I, I do remember the, the FA Cup game at Brighton and we started quite well. Was, was it Harvey Elliott that scored early on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, it, and it kind of, like, you know, we won away at Wolves, Harvey Elliott scored there, we won away. This Something's going to happen here. And then it just, as yeah. soon as we conceded a goal, it just became same old, same old. And, it, and it's really weird to think. I, I saw a stat in kind of like early March or something like that. And after the World Cup, at that point, despite all our defeats, we'd had we'd won one less point than Arsenal. And that and that shows that other teams weren't having it uh, as well as they they would have liked after the World Cup as well. But we we just couldn't take advantage of anybody else playing poor. Uh, you know, I think Newcastle. Had started to have draws when they when they mostly were were winning, and United were still losing quite a few games here, there, and everywhere. And we just couldn't take it up. This is why I said earlier we didn't have to be that good to get top four last season, but just we just weren't good enough. I mean, injuries were part of the reason, but it's not all the reason. John, one of the lowest points for me last season watching Liverpool was. At Molyneux, it just been knocked out of the FA Cup, knocked out of the um, the League Cup, and the home fans were O-laying. We couldn't even get a kick on the ball. We, we, we ended up losing the game 3-0. And for me, that, that was a real low moment of the season. A team like Wolves, who, who were, I think they, they went off bottom or right at the bottom three at the time, were yeah. 
were taking the mickey out of us. It was painful to watch. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just the Wolves, uh, Neil, either. You know, we've mentioned the Brighton game away and the Brentford game, and we were lucky to get nil in some of them. That That's how bad we were. Um, if you want to put a, a fully slant on it, because the, I don't think it was just the uh, the Wolves game where the, the crowd were all in. I think they were doing it at Brighton as well for the league game. And the Brentford game, we just looked as though we hadn't played together ever. And it just looked like the 11 lads had been pulled out the crowd, stuck a shirt on with the names that we all know on the back of them. And just they just went out there and they didn't have a clue what to do. Simple things, and there were simple defensive errors as well. Very, very basic errors that you wouldn't see in a schoolboy match. And it was it was deflating, it was demoralising the supporters. And, you know, we've said from the others, you didn't know where it was going to turn. And I went to the Wolves game away in the FA Cup when we won 1-0. And you thought, yeah, maybe this is the trigger. And it wasn't. And there was so many, it was like, going down the tunnel with light at the end of the tunnel. It was a train coming the other way. You know, it's, it, it, it was just one of those weird seasons. I'm going to put a smile back on your faces, lads. Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Now, all I want you all to answer this one. Start with Les. We'll do it in that order. Les, Tom, Pete, Mike and John. For me, it's the best Premier League game I've ever witnessed. Now, for you guys who've watched a lot more football than I have over the years, for Liverpool, where, where does that rank? Start with you, Les, in terms of one of our greatest league victories because it's a team we don't like, they don't like us, and we've absolutely annihilated, we've embarrassed them. We've embarrassed them. It's 1-0 at half-time, we've scored six goals in the second half. It was just an absolute joy to watch. Go on, Les, you start us off. Yeah, it, it's got to be right up there with you know anything I've seen in the Premier League era. But let's, let's not forget, and I, I always hate this, the the football didn't start in 1993. And, and there's like, you know, there's other games where Liverpool teams in the past have played and, you know, have been just as good, if not better than that performance. But to beat Manchester United 7-0, it's always one to save it. And to, you know, to see Gary Neville face at the end, you know, trying to put a positive spin on that, that result was just the, the cherry on top of the cake. I just thought it was an exceptional performance. I thought the, the referee actually helped him really. He didn't have much time on, and he should have given us a penalty in the end. So it could have been even worse. <laughs> but I think he, I think he felt sorry for them. But yeah, you know, for for Salah, Gakpo, and Nunes to get you know two goals each, you know, it was exceptional. Especially when I always remember that Mark Goldbridge on on Twitter saying, you know, if Man United can go to Liverpool and win, he will really believe that it's United year to win the league, and you know, to to basically. Shove that down his down his throat with them virtually being a, a full strength as well. You know, made it even the sweeter. And yeah, it, it, it was a fantastic day. And you know, one that every Liverpool supporter who was there, who was watching it on the TV, whatever they were doing, you know, will always remember that game. And it's one that will live, you know, in the folklore for, for generations to come. Tom. Yeah, very much so, Neil. I think I think you know what they came here expecting to beat Liverpool. I think that's what made it so sweet, wasn't it? Really, and I, I think what you what you said before about you know being it, it, it's got to go up there as one of one of the best own wins against anybody. You know, to taunt them because as they were coming here, and most Liverpoolians, if they're honest, were saying, "Well, we don't know what type of team is going to turn up today," and. 
they turned into not just I thought that the performance, but the goals were sublime. Some of the football he played was unbelievable, and it reminded us that you know what we. Although we're struggling this season, we have got some really good footballers, unbelievable footballers. So, so yeah, for me, I think that I think the highlights of what I was made. I think I think Gabko's Gabko's second goal was was unbelievable. The finish was incredible. But like, I think I was made up with the header from from Darwin Nunes because like he. He's the, he's, the, he's the funny player this season, isn't he? He's the player that come with so much expectation. And he has struggled, but you can see that there's a player there, isn't it? You know, like, and I think he showed that day that there is a decent player there, if we, you know, like, if we can work, find out where the best place to play him. But, yeah, you could not be happy at that result. You could not happy, be happy at that result. We're all smiling as, as we're listening. Pete, what about it for you? Uh, one of the great results we've had in the league? Yeah, I mean, there's, we'll come on to another one a bit later on for different reasons, but the Tottenham result later was another one where, you know, as I say, for different reasons, you know, we, we snatched the win in the end. And you can probably go back to a, the two Newcastle games, the 2 4 3 games, um, you know, for excitement and that. But I mean, I was talking to my lad at half time and I said, we, we've just got to watch ourselves here because we're only one nil up. And I said, if they get a goal back here, you know, anything could happen. And then by the by the fifth, sixth, and seventh, we just laughed every time the ball went in. We went, we went actually cheering, we were just laughing. And we just couldn't believe that United, you know, defended so poorly. And as one of the lads has just said, um, I think it was Tommy, we actually played some lovely football that day. We were probably allowed to play it. And I think United, I just, I just, they must have been like rabbits in the headlights by the end. Um, and, you know, we came out back round, the, the noise as we came out, and they were still singing. You know, I walk up from the back of the cop and up towards Everton Library that way. And they were singing for that, you know, hours. I felt like hours after they were still singing. But it's because of who it was, definitely. It's because it's Man U. And, you know, it, it's just one of them. You, you want to beat them 1 0 if you have to with, with a, an own goal in the last minute, but to win by seven, it was just fantastic, you know. Mike, how did you enjoy it? And after that game, you're thinking top four's back on. 13 games to go, we were three points off a top four place after that result. Well, it was an unfortunate game for me because uh, about two and a half weeks earlier, I tore my knee ligaments and the physio said, uh, you know, exercise it, but don't do too much. And very soon after that came the Real Madrid game. Well, I wasn't going to miss that, but I have a mile to walk from where I parked the car. By the time I got after that game, I'd been disappointed and my knee was absolutely screwed. So I couldn't go to the United game because I couldn't walk. So I ended up watching it on on TV. And, uh, you know, I regret not going, but it was still an experience watching it on TV. And it, and it it was... it was just, I think it was Pete that said, you're just laughing. When the fifth goes in, the sixth goes in, uh, and the seventh goes in. And, the, and the, one of the best things about that was then you got to see the interview with uh, Sunas before the game. I hadn't seen it before the game, but he's, you got Gary Neville going on about, oh, yeah, we'll come here. And Sunas was very, very confident. And he turned out to be spot on, didn't he? But then we go and don't win in the next five games after that. And that's uh, 
that's exactly what Liverpool season was all about. John, how did you enjoy it? I was stood next to John Aldridge, hugging each other, laughing, <laughs> um, embracing. At 4-0, he was showing a tweet, winding the United fans up at 5-0. Look at these responses. It, it was a day on, I'll never forget. Oh, it's, it's, it's a game that, you, you know, you, everyone's mentioned the rivalry between us and United. It was sweet, particularly when the 5th, 6th and 7th went in and Bobby got the 7th and it was, it was brilliant. But as, as pure football, I'll take you all back to another game I preferred, and that was the Forest game oh, uh, when they beat them 5-0. And the, the late great Tom Finney uh, actually said it was the best football he'd ever witnessed a club side produce. And we did. We, the football that night was uh, outstanding. But again, in patches, that game against United, some of the football there was, was brilliant. We, we actually enjoyed it because the next day would be in so many visitors to to the city, including United fans who, who come on corporate packages. We were sitting in front of James Milner's shirt, number seven, and taking the photograph. Most of them were oblivious to what they were doing, but just, just to wind them up. And it was it was so much fun being a tour guide the day after that game. Let's, let's just close the season off then. So after that United high, we end up getting beat by Bournemouth. Just an incredible result. Then we get knocked out of the Champions League. We get turned over by City 4-1. We draw with Chelsea, we draw with Arsenal, and you're thinking, no chance top four. Then we go and win seven games in a row, and all of a sudden you're thinking, maybe, maybe. I mean, so, some of the highlights in those seven games was the, the Leeds win away from home, West Ham away. That Tottenham game w- w- was a highlight, the 4-3, because we're 3-0 up, thinking we can do them seven, end up coming back to 3-3, 4-3 win. Um, Leicester away 3-0. What were your thoughts on, on how we finished the season? 11 unbeaten in the end, Les. Yeah, that's right. Did the finish of the season sort of give us a, a positive feeling going into next season? But I'll make a couple of points really on, on those games. I thought that um, it, it proved the inconsistency where you can you know, demolish United you know, one week by, by seven and then lose away at Bournemouth another week by, by a goal to nil. Another conclusion of a wave, which might be a little bit controversial, is that after... After the Bournemouth game, I know Mo Salah scored a couple of penalties towards the end of the season. But for me, he shouldn't be on penalties anymore. I know he likes to, to, to have penalties to his goals to help him get the golden boots. But at the end of the day, I love Mo. But to me, he's not one of the best penalty takers I've seen for Liverpool. If he'd have scored that penalty against Bournemouth and the penalty against Arsenal, we could have had four more points. And going into that last game of the season against Southampton, you know, the, the chance of getting into the Champions League might have still been in our hands. I know that other people say, well, this has happened and that's happened. But when you get a penalty, you know, it's a golden opportunity to score the goal. And if you've got a 99% penalty taker, the likes of, you know, a Jan Mulby, a Danny Murphy, a John Aldridge, that type of player who, who when you've seen them go up to take a penalty, you were always sort of, you know, barely certain that they were going to score. When Mo goes up to take a penalty, I'm never sure that he's going to score or not. Um, so for me, you know, and he missed, let's not forget as well, that he missed the um, the penalty the season before against Leicester away, which we ended up losing 1-0. As he scores that penalty and we win that game, then, you know, we'd have been, um, you know, getting the, the title presented to us after, after the after the, the last game of the season. Um, you know, so 
So as I say, you know, the, a, a word about you know Curtis Jones as well in the run, and he coming to the team against Chelsea after being the forgotten man. He provided goals from midfield. You know, he was still a little bit inconsistent with his performances, but you could actually see there was a there was a player there. Um, the team looked a lot of a lot better balanced with Trent going into into midfield and and sort of playing you know three at the back at times. It'll be interesting to see if that continues, you know, going into the into the new season. But Trent brought a new dimension to the team. Um, I know me and Tom have had plenty of discussions on this. Tom's sort of convinced that Trent will end up as an elite midfield player. Um, I, you know, I sort of say, well, you know, from what he's done at fullback, you know what I mean? Why can't he just continue to do that from there? But I get Tom's point. And, you know, I thought Gakpo did well. The disappointment towards the end of the season was, as we sort of touched on before, I thought uh, Darwin Nunes sort of form dipped a little bit. Um, and then, uh, of course, we had the emotional send-off for Bobby and Millie, you know, at the last game of the season. And, and all in all, you know, again, you know, we just fell short again against Aston Villa. Um, and then the Southampton game was just like a bit of a an end-of-season game where, you know, whatever was going to happen was going to happen. But it gave us it gave us hope to take into the new season. Um, you know, we ran into you know, finish the season, you know, on a positive note. And you know, hopefully with a few signings that come during the summer, you know, we'll be going into the season on a on a more positive note. Tom, I'm just gonna pick up on Les's point about the penalties. It took about we had to wait a year for a penalty. So so maybe Salah was out of practice, maybe that's an excuse for him. But forget Salah, forget the penalties. How did you see the end of the season for Liverpool? Do you know what? I think Les summed it up pretty well. I wouldn't have a go at Salah because he scored a, he scored a lot of penalties for us, and even afterwards he still scored important penalties for us. You know, like so I wouldn't really have a go. That that's part and parcel of football, isn't it? You know, so I, I wasn't too bad. Talking about where I think where where we it really went was the Bournemouth game, as it was Les said afterwards. You know, after the seven 0 he goes and gets done by Bournemouth. But I think I think the secret was was Jurgen Klopp moved Trent into midfield, and then it, that was in the Arsenal game, wasn't it? And then I think Liverpool looked a totally different team from that day. And I know cases we 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 all waxed about Curtis. Everyone knows there's a great player in Curtis. It's always we've always felt he plays a bit safe, but he started to play in a system which got the best out of Trent. It certainly got the best out of Curtis, and we looked better balanced in in that run, didn't we? And then, as, as the boys have said, you know, then we felt we we went on a run, which I thought it, it made me feel really positive. I do believe Central end up. I don't know how you feel, Neil. You probably put put a what's it called on the opposite and, and say go back to the defence. But I think to me, I, I don't see a thing that. Any midfielder's got that Trent Alexander-Arnold hasn't got. I think he's the most elite football player. He's a player that, if you were looking to buy, would cost you you like hundreds of millions. He's got everything to his game. So it's it's where we find the best out of Trent. And towards the end, I think we looked a far better team. I know, I think the game's just come too fast in the end. We were left ourselves a little bit too much to do within me in the end. And um, it sort of petered out. But as I said last week, 
I feel really confident going into the new season. I think I think the signings will come, and I, I think it, the the run that we had gave us all enough of a lift to believe that some, something will turn around and that we will challenge. I really do believe that, you know, Neil. I really believe we'll challenge next season. Yeah, P- Pete, for you, we've talked a bit about one of the things that was noticeable was Curtis's form towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent's position. I, and I love seeing him in there. The problem we have, you have to have a centre-half who can play centre-half and right full-back. Canate can, but can Canate give you 40 games a season? I don't know. So uh, so the point being to you, Pete, is what were the things you noticed and enjoyed in that in that running? Um, I'm just looking at some of the results. I mean, we drew after the City game. I mean, I went I went to City for the away game and it was... It was like men and boys, to be honest. We went one up. It was strange actually being one up rather than chasing a game. But they, they absolutely just took us to the cleaners. And then Chelsea away wasn't wasn't really any great game. It was two sort of mid-table sides, I called it at the time. And I think if if we did, we should have beaten Arsenal, Canarsie had that chance right at the end. And if you'd have put that away. But we went to Leeds and got six. And I thought, right, you know, come on, let's go and... We did win all the all the next few games, but even even the Nottingham Forest game at home, and the Fulham and the Brentford games, we we won by the odd goal, and we weren't overly convincing. But there was there was some you know green shooter recovery, if you want, if you want to put that terminology to it. And like you say, Curtis Jones came in, and he made a good fist of it. There's no doubt that there's a footballer in that lad, and whether whether it's self belief or whatever that's held him back, I don't know, but he. I was glad to see Curtis have a good run in the team and, and come with a couple of goals. I think the thing with Trent, it might be interesting to see, as Tom said, we're going to probably bring more players in this summer and it'll depend who they bring in. I, I myself, I'd like to see Trent maybe stay where he is but still have that role where he can he can wander. And then then you think, well, are they going to bring an extra centre-half in or some, like a footballing centre-half? I talked to someone the other day and where kind of said, we need a right-footed Daniel Agger, if that makes sense to you. Someone who can play at the back but can bring the ball out. And like you say, with the thing with Canarsie is he he is prone to injury. Um, but I think maybe play start Trent where he's always played. Because I mean, how, how many assists has he done over his career from right back? So the, he's not he's not playing badly there. I don't think he'll move fully into midfield, but it depends on the personnel that we bring in. Mike, for you for that running, did you see enough in Curtis Jones to stop wanting one of about eight players that Liverpool are linked with in central midfield? He sort of said, "No, no, we're happy to stick with him," or, or not. Neither is the answer. In so much as I did see, I did see plenty, but I've always thought he's a decent player. Uh, there was, there was, I want him to be in and around the squad, but I wanted him to be in and around the squad playing with really good players because I think that's how we will improve. McAllister hopefully will improve. I, I think the uh, I think he was him and we talked about him and Trent and and the re- part being part of the reason why we improved so much at the end of the season. It was also when Diaz and Jota came back from injury that we were suddenly able to to test people up front again. Um, and we weren't we still weren't consistent. I, I worried that we were going to lose that Forest game. We nearly we nearly blew the uh, uh, Tottenham game, but we. The, the, the thing about that got us in that spell is whenever we conceded a goal, we very quickly turned around and scored. We did it 
Leeds, when Canati made this mistake, Jota scored straight away. Twice when Forrest scored, um, then we got goals back. We went, we went, when we got one all, we went two one up, got two all, we went three one, three two up. And Jota at the end, I know it was a gift, but when when uh, when we went three all against uh, Spurs, we we got it back, and that's and that's the. That, that's that's as Les said. It gave us real shoots of uh, of hope, real hope for next season. Like Tom said, but the, the the one the one thing is that we lost to we lost three times to the team bottom of the league, and on the last day of the season, we ran the risk at four two down of making that four. And so, as great as our win was, and I know there was nothing on the game, we need to be better at closing games out than we were on that one. But it was it was brilliant to watch the end. And and again, um, we went four two down, but we didn't lie down. So the, the one thing you can say about that that spell at the end is that they never gave up. John, for you, how did you see the end of the season? Eleven unbeaten, winning seven of them. Yeah, um, I'm a great believer in the form that you you have towards the end of the season. It gives you the impetus to go and do it again from the start of the next season. And like a lot of the lads, including Tom. I've got great belief that we will challenge on all fronts next season. And uh, the reason I think that is, I think they've, they've settled into a pattern. I was critical of Curtis Jones as far back as uh, an cup replay many years ago when he seemed to go down blind alleys. He looked weak. He didn't have the, the physical stature to, to cope with the Premier League. He's proved me, I'm glad to say, wrong. Because I think the, the last few games he played of the, of the last season, I think he was outstanding. And uh, he, he weighed in with goals as well, which is something that our midfield hasn't really contributed. That's another thing. You know, we're looking at midfield players. I think there's three things we need from a midfield. Now, we need to be able to battle. We need to be able to protect. And we need to be able to create. And I, I, I think on many, many occasions last season, a lot of those games... Not, our midfield did none of them whatsoever, and which is why we found ourselves having a, an awful season. John, our midfield contributed six Premier League goals between them. The year we won it, 20 we had from yeah. the midfield. And our top scorer from midfield, the year we won it, was four, Genie Wijnaldum. So it showed it was shared about. We didn't get the contribution in midfield, maybe one of the reasons. Right, I'm going to ask for your player of the season, and it's a name... And a very, very quick line on that. There's obviously not going to be too many contenders. It's Alisson or it's Salah. If you want to throw Trent in the mix as well, I'm not sure anyone else can, can make it. But here you go. Les, you start as our player of the season and a quick line on why. Alisson Becker, without him, we would have finished bottom half of the table. Tom? Alisson Becker, he, he actually saved us most of the season. And he's, he's been accepted and proved he is the best goalkeeper in the world, Neil. Pete? Yeah, three out of three, Alison Becker. Not just a great goalkeeper for the saving goals, but he's a good assist as well. You know, he he, he sets up, you know, that goal against City for Salah, you know, for instance. So um, I know Salah got 30 goals this season, but I'd have to give it to Alison. Mike, are you saying Salah? No, well, I wrote down Alison and I wrote down Salah, uh, but it has to be Alison because he did it for the whole of the season, whereas Mo had. Uh, Peaks and troughs. Honourable mention to to Bacetic though, because I think he's just a, a revelation. 
Um, maybe a name for future seasons. John, for you, player of the season? I'm going to make it five out of five, Neil. Uh, it's going to be Alison Becker, without a doubt. He saved us on many occasions, creates as well, as uh, Tom said. And, you know, he's just one heck of a goalkeeper. Yeah, best in the world. Decision-making is unbelievable. He makes saves look easy, right? OK, next one, again... Very short answers, and it's going to be the highlight of the season. I don't believe everyone will answer the same. Let's start with you, Les. To me, the highlight of the season was the was the sort of performances of Stefan Kocetic. I just think that he come through. Not a lot of people knew who he was. I'd watched him play for both the 18s, 23s. Thought he was an exceptional talent, but didn't think he'd come through as well as he did. And he, he I think for me, he was the biggest plus of last season. Tom, for you? Um, I think I'll well say, although I agree with Les with Pichetic, I think I'll go along with, with Curtis. I think he finally proved the highlights. He, he, he proved that he's a really decent player and he has got a place in Liverpool. And I think I think with him him and, and the players that we're bringing in, I think our midfield will be a lot better and more creative next season, Neil. You don't have to name a play. It could be a game, a moment. What stood out for you as a highlight? Well, we've obviously spoken about the United game and that will live longer than that. Well, take it to me, that. But I'd like to mention Cody Gakpo because I think he was introduced into the team when they, they probably would have liked to have eased him in a bit, you know, later on and that, but because of injuries and the like. And he, he's grown in the first two or three games, maybe that you saw him, you think he was just playing it safe and he, he wasn't doing anything, you know, extraordinary anything but I think he's he's the heir to Bobby for me you know that lad I think he can really fill that void that Bobby's left so Mike. as a as a player I'd say yeah Cody Cody Mike well the highlight game was United but the highlight moment was the seventh and Bobby Firmino and the reaction of the crowd and the reaction of all the players just loving the fact that that he'd scored it was just you know no we all love Millie. We all love Bobby. That moment was just to, to save her. Yeah. Smiling myself, as you mentioned it. John, for you, highlight? Bobby for me, though, but I'm going to say the Aston Villa game. It's final game. The, the, the look on his face and the pleasure within that crowd, yeah. even though it was an equaliser, it, the fact that it was his very last game at Anfield, it couldn't have gone better for it. was script writer, wasn't it? And... Yeah, we can talk about the United game, we can talk about Bournemouth, but as a pleasure to watch Bobby Firmino score on his final game at Anfield, that was, that, that was my highlight. Yeah, I absolutely love singing his song late on in the season, especially yeah. at that game. Right, everyone again, biggest disappointment, and I suppose it could be maybe even a reason why we, we, we've had such a disappointing season. It could be it could be injuries, it could be a certain player, it could be the fact that we've gone to Bournemouth, Forest... And Fulham, three promoted teams, and not beat any of them, being beaten twice and, and drawn. So, let's go on for you. Biggest disappointment this season? I'm going to pick a player for me. And the biggest disappointment for me was Fabinho. Um, I just think that for someone who 18 months ago was classed as probably one of the best number sixes in world football, his drop off last season was, was just so dramatic. And you know, I think I think his season was was summed up when he came on a substitute and was nearly sent off within minutes of coming off, and he should have been sent off. You know, and, and I'm still not convinced to be honest that you know some people have said, "Oh, you know, we've seen the old Fabinho in the last sort of you know six or seven games of the season." 
I'm still not convinced of that because I just think that is for some reason his legs have gone. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he can get back to the level he was. But last season he was just a massive disappointment for me. Tom, you? Oh, the biggest disappointment for me is is definitely the injuries. We've been absolutely plagued this season by injuries, especially what one Les talked about a little bit earlier. You know, with Diaz to lose him against Arsenal was bad enough. But then for him to come back and look sharp and then get ex- exactly the same injury and out for the same amount of time. And Jota, and as the lads were saying before, we lost Bobby for long periods of time when he was scoring goals. It's just, it's been, it's killed us this season, the injuries. I think I think that's probably been the most frustrating thing for overall and the most disappointing. Pete, I know it's hard to narrow it down, can you? I know Laz likes to use, use the words consistent, but it's the inconsistency for me that's been disappointing where we've had all these false storms where we've, you know, we've got good results and then the week after we've gone to teams less, lesser than us and lost. And it's just the inconsistency. If one game sort of sums it up for me, it was the Real Madrid game at home, 2-0 up early on and we should have been 4 up in fairness. And then we go and lose that game 5-2 and, and obviously we're out of the competition then. And, you know, the, the first sort of 30 minutes, I'm not saying, I mean, Madrid are a great side, don't get me wrong, and that Vinicius on the wing, you know, you need about three full-backs to mark him. But I just thought, I thought, God, we could have been four up here at half-time. And, it, you know, you just imagine what, what might have been. And I think that was, it, it was just that the inconsistency was all rolled into 90 minutes in that game, to be honest. Mike, yours? Well, it, it, it's, it's around injuries. I mentioned before about Diaz and Jota being out at the same time from pretty much probably two games apart, but for a long period of time. But when we came back after the World Cup, we've got six strikers to play in three positions. And after the World Cup, we were playing with two. We played with uh, Salah and Nunes, uh, who wasn't in great form, and were forcing either Harvey or Ox to play in the third striker role. And then Nunes got injured, but we, we then signed Gakpo. And Gakpo was coming into a side that just didn't have all his players around. And it, and, and it never got started. After the World Cup, it just never got started because we just we had so many players out. There was a stat in, in February that we, we had like three or four times more man games lost than Arsenal and, and City. And that tells you everything. John, your disappointment. Both the lads have said, yeah, I mean, Nunes, Fabinho, uh, inconsistency in, in the games, losing against the lower opposition. But one that I thought of, and it really did disappoint me, was James Milner going. I think his influence, not only as a substitute on the pitch, but his influence as a professional off the pitch. And I think there was a role there for him. And I'm, I'm saddened to see the club if you believe the rumours that Jürgen wanted him to stay and he, he couldn't swing it that way. If it's true, I don't know. But I think it's a big loss to the club that someone like James Milner, with his experience, has gone. And he's gone for just a year to Brighton. I mean, what he can offer the club himself is, is unbelievable. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it is rumours. James even said the manager wanted to keep him. Um, but yeah. They- He's moved on. It's been an unbelievable free transfer. Right, we're back at that one word. The season's done. 
just before we look ahead to the new season with the fixtures being announced, one word again, start with you, Les. How are we going to look back on that 2022-23 season? Fifth place, no trophies, Europa League football this season to come. Les, are you looking back on that? One word. Disappointing. Tom? Yeah, disappointing, I suppose, is the, is the word. That's the, the thing that can only be the word, really. Pete? Yeah, I started with underwhelming, but I think he saved a bit at the end, but I was still frustrated, so frustration for me. Mike, you can make a noise again? Forgettable, I would say. <laughs> and I hope I forget it very quickly. John? I'm still going to go with frustrated. Yeah. Glad it's all finished last season. We can look forward to this season. Just a quick one, because we've, we've had a good chat there on last season. The fixtures are out today and one of the problems we had last season was the away form and I'm looking at the fixtures and thinking could have done without Chelsea, Newcastle, Wolves, Tottenham and Brighton <laughs> first five away games now I'd, I'd fancy Newcastle away more when they've got to deal with Europe because I think that's a big challenge for them this season same with Arsenal they're dealing with Champions League rather than, than U, U, uh, Europa League Spurs we don't know Chelsea first game of the season Les is it a good time to play them? Pochettino's gone in there. Half the squad want to leave. He wants to bring his own players in. Good time to play them? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, we don't know what either squad is going to look like at this point. I mean, there is a theory go round to say that sometimes it's better to play against sort of the better teams at the start of the season because they're not up to speed. Um, you know, rather than play, say, like we did last season, newly promoted side like Fulham, who were looking at it as a cup final. I just think the first the first six games, you know, to start with with you know Chelsea and then Newcastle in our first two away games. Positive way to look at it is we can get four points in those two games, then it's two of your more difficult away games out the way early doors, and then that will give you the confidence to take to take forward. Um, and as I said, as long as we get the signings right over the next few weeks. I'm confident going into the next season because for me, the midfield was a big problem. If we can get some energy and some legs and some creativity in there, then I, I think we'll be much better. Tom? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with the with start, Neil. I think I think we, we struggle against when we're playing the lesser teams, whereas I think you know what you've got to do when you've got to go to Chelsea or you've got to go to Newcastle. And I was looking, like, like, like you said, um, me, two of my lads text me with with the with the when the list come out this morning, and I and I said I actually said to them I said you know what you've got to play them sometime haven't you? Why not play them at the start? It doesn't it doesn't really matter. And then I was looking towards the end of the season. If we get away to a good start, the end of the season looks quite quite good for Liverpool. You know, like the running. So I think you'll have got most of the big games out of the way in the early part. So and yeah and uh, do you know what and I think Jurgen Klopp will be uh, I'll be refreshed I think he'll be recharged I, I think I really do I'm I'm not I'm not really fearful so I'm quite happy to play play them at the early stage. Hey, hey we, we we can't start the way we did last season, winning two, drawing three of them first six games, though, can we? No, and like Tom says, it might be a good thing that we are playing. What perceived to be big clubs, I think, you know, big teams as in Chelsea and Newcastle. Um, it's whether it's whether Pochettino brings the feel good factor back to Stamford Bridge because 
Um, there were games last season that they were, you know, that, as I say, when we played them twice within a few weeks of one another, there were two mid-table teams, really. It, it was poor fair. So I, I'm OK with that. I mean, you know, we, we thought we'd had a good start to that last season when we got Fulham and then Crystal Palace at home. And like you say, that fell flat on us. So play the big teams and, and, and we normally respond to that as well. We, we normally, City aside, when we got beat four at their place, uh, we normally respond to playing the teams in and around us and we normally give good performances, so I'm OK with that. But Mike, are you in the boat when we went to Arsenal, first game of the season? I was so, just thinking exactly that game. I hope that uh, McAllister has the same debut as Mane had, uh, 4-3 on the, on the first day of the season. It's not often you get a big side playing a big side on the first day of the season, so, you know... I, Oh, fine, let's do it. Don't know what the team's going to be like, but uh, I said to my mate when the uh, fixtures came out, if if by the start of November we're in the top five and and uh, in a spitting distance of the top four and, you know, not that far away from second and first, with that fixture lineup, and the, particularly the, the five aways that you've mentioned there, four of them which are, are potentially challenging, then we'll, we'll be in a good position. As Tom said, the uh, the end of the, t- the season doesn't look as bad. John, how did you see the fixtures when they came out? Yeah, remember when we played Arsenal? Uh, Barnes, Beardley, Stevie Nichol. And we won there, went on to win the league that year, didn't we? Um, I'm an optimist. I think it will get sorted. I think we'll go on a great run at the start because that's what we need. We need to lay, lay down the marker for the first half dozen, then ten, then dozen games, and let's see where we are then. I'd add as well that I think it's um, important that we go for the Europa League as well, because that's a guarantee into the Champions League as a backdrop in case you do slip from the, the top four. But I, I'm positive. I think we'll, uh, we'll have a really good chance of trophies next season, and I wouldn't bet against Liverpool to win the league. Well, what a way to finish. Thanks very much, John. And a little trip to Ireland as well to finish it off with the Europa League final would be nice. If you can get a hotel room. Yeah, just get the boat back. But yeah, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for letting me be involved, lads, to, to look back on, on last season. It's my debut. I've enjoyed listening to you all. We've obviously all got similar opinions. It's been a difficult season last season, but we know and we hope that with the fixtures out, we can look forward to a better season ahead. So so thanks very much for having me, boys. Thank you. Pleasure, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Right, before we close the podcast tonight, can I just take this opportunity to pass on our condolences to the family of Gordon McQueen, who passed away today. Gordon was a fine centre-half in the the 70s and played for both Leeds, Manchester United, Scotland, after starting his career with St Mirren, and he played with distinction for whoever he played for. Our thoughts tonight are with his family and all the supporters and, and former players who we played with. Right, on that sad note, that is the end of the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Thanks to Tom and Peter's normal, John and Mike, and special thanks to Neil for, for hosting tonight for us. He did an exceptional job and hope he'll join us again in the future. So once again, don't bite the sun. Justice for the 97. You'll never walk alone. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers, boys. You know.